Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. I want to begin with two conversations from Faith Radio Media Central at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International. First up, it's author Pam Farrell, who has collaborated on a Bible study project focused on the concept of joy as expressed and taught in the book of Philippians. Plus, Ginger Harrington delivers comments relative to knowing and experiencing God and His holiness in the moments that we encounter in the course of our lives. Then, Focus on the Family has announced its Pro-Life Alive 2020 events in multiple cities on one day, a follow-up to the popular Alive from New York event which occurred in Times Square. Robin Chambers from the ministry offers a preview. And on this edition of The Intersection, Welby O'Brien has a desire to provide resources and networking for families of veterans who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, a desire that flows out of her own experiences as a veteran's wife. You'll be hearing some of her words of encouragement. Plus, Jesus called his people to abide in him, and attorney Sharon Casalonis has crafted a devotional that helps believers identify the presence of Jesus throughout the scriptures, offering a chronological look at the Bible. Finally, Aaron Zook is a military veteran who has integrated his background into a series of multinational adventure books for young adults. From CPE International, you'll be hearing comments from him. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Pam Farrell and her husband Bill lead the ministry of LoveWise, and at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Tennessee, Pam stopped by to discuss her new Bible study series, which was led off by Discovering Joy in Philippians, a collaborative effort with co-author Gene E. Jones and illustrator Carla Dornaker. From that conversation, this is Pam Farrell. Rejoice is a it's verb, right. so that means it's a choice to rejoice. A choice to and rejoice, that word, which is a rhyme. Yeah, and that a word. choice to rejoice. <laughs> I love it. That word uh, rejoice um, is in the New Testament 74 times. So obviously it's important to God. Yeah. And a rejoice can have lots of different meanings. It can have the meaning of joy, exceeding joy. It was a greeting. Like, can you imagine how good the world would be if we greeted each other? Rejoice or have joy means to thrive or be well, um, hold a festival with God. Um, But my favorite meaning is calm delight. And the reason why that's my favorite meaning of that word is it gives you something to do when you're anxious. Like to just stop, push pause, and say, okay, what would bring calm to this situation right now? What would bring calm to me right now? What would bring calm to that person right now? Cultivate calm and then delight. Um, What brings me delight? What has God put in my world that would be a delightful distraction right now? Do I need to put on some praise music? Do I need to go for a prayer walk? Um, Do I need to do some coloring pages? Do I need to call my hubby on the phone? And um, so I actually encourage people to cultivate joy. In fact, those um, frontline people that handle, you know, the first responders, mm-hmm. uh, those who uh, help them uh, recapture their joy, teach them to put something of delight in their life every day in their calendar. And we think that that is a good idea and a God idea. He thought of it first. So basically, 
joy is not something, even though it's promised to us by the mm-hmm. Lord, it's not something that just happens. Right. It's we have some, to cultivate it. We have to cultivate it. Not it. necessarily work at it or work right. for it, but to to give the opportunity for the joy to be expressed. Again, those, mm-hmm. what did you call it, delightful distractions? Yeah, right, delightful that? distractions. And, you know, all of us, if we just sit down and we pray, God, what have you given uh, in my life that I love and value and appreciate with that? It's that attitude of gratitude. You know, other things, other um, places in Philippians encourage us not to grumble and complain. And so if we have that attitude of gratitude, then we can ponder what gives us delight. Whether it's like I do um, a sunset psalm or I read a psalm as my uh, phone videotapes the beautiful sunset on the ocean and that is delight to me Um, and being out taking a prayer walk or biking or physically active stuff brings me delight even the wind in my hair so if you think long enough there are things that you can just be grateful for they're simple that don't even cost anything that can bring delight into your life so as you look at the structure of discovering joy in mm-hmm. Philippians, this Bible study, the discovering hope in the Psalms as well, comment if you would on the st- structure like of how, these how Bible studies. Put yeah, how it's put together. How can people kind of engage yeah. with it? Um, we love it because um, we have written a leader's guide. So churches are buying them 200, 300 at oh, a time right. so they can run small groups. Um, and so it's great for a group study. It's also great for uh, individuals just in your quiet time. And there's, you know, between eight and 12 lessons, depending on which book of the Bible. Um, but you don't have to rush through it. You can take your time you can take the whole year if you want it's not a race okay and um so it's set up for at your pace but it's broken down into daily devotions and then once a week i write a deep dive devotion that really helps you apply it to your life um that week um and then i gene has these little sidebars so if you've been a christian for a while um sometimes you're like yeah i read that read that read that nothing's new to you oh this girl she will she has diamonds in these bible studies it's like oh i never knew that about the bible or oh i never saw that in the psalms i never saw that in philippians and so it's wonderful in that regard and then um, Carla has full coloring pages bookmarks little things you can color at the top of every page so, and then wide margins which uh, for a bible art journal like me I doodle I do my study in color so I can remember what God's teaching me Pam Farrell here on the intersection you can find out more by going to the website love-wise.com Next up on this edition of The Intersection from CPE International, it's Ginger Harrington, who discussed how to identify and experience God's holiness and presence throughout the moments of life, as she highlights in the book, Holy in the Moment, Simple Ways to Love God and Enjoy Your Life. Here now is Ginger Harrington. When you struggle with anxiety, you feel like there's a part of you that is missing or broken or not in alignment with your faith because you know, as a believer, you're not supposed to worry. You're not supposed to give in to fear. And yet you find yourself with a disconnect between your head and your heart. And so I had been asking the Lord to really work in that area of life. And I came across a verse where it talks about God making us holy and whole, putting us together, spirit, soul, and body, and keeping us together until the Lord comes. And that was such an aha moment of realizing I don't have to make myself holy. I don't have to make myself 
whole. I don't even have to somehow pull myself up by the bootstraps and make myself well. I can trust God to do that work within me because it says he is the one making us holy and whole, spirit, soul, and body. So he's bringing that harmony between my thoughts and emotions, my physical body, my faith life, my family, my relationships, and that brings it down to the moment level, choosing to walk in who he says we are in the moment. And so we stretch that out as we talk about the word holy and then holy in the moment. And you mentioned another word I want to kind of seize on here, and that is choosing, because releasing that power of holiness really is a choice, allowing the nature of God to be activated in and through us. So how do you really see that people can capture that concept of being in the moment, if you will? It does have everything to do with choice, but before you can make a choice, you have to be aware that you have a choice. You have to be aware of where you are and what you're experiencing and what kind of muck you might be in the middle of. And so beginning to understand to that I have a, the ability to think about my thoughts. Is what I'm thinking true? Or am I simply responding to the messages of my emotions and letting my emotions define truth for me? And so oftentimes I was letting emotions drive the moment. And I think we've all struggled with that at times, but realizing in the moment, because that's where you can do something. You can't do something yesterday and you can't do something tomorrow. Right now, right here is when we can act and make choices and change and experience God working. And so being able to choose in the moment what God says is true, to act like who God says I am rather than how I feel, to choose to give love rather than frustration, to choose to trust God rather than to give in to anxiety or fear. In the moment, that's much more doable than trying to fix yourself and do it right forever. Let's talk about that element of emotion for a bit. When you're you're talking about being emotional and making decisions on how you feel or allowing our emotions to control us rather than us to control our emotions. Certainly, you're not saying that we should be completely non-emotional, but we have to surrender those emotions to, to Christ. So how does a believer really capture that concept of of really bringing emotions under the power of the spirit kind of i guess kind of related to the fruit of the spirit being self-controlled i think first of all it is honesty and authenticity being willing to experience your emotions because i was a stuffer I did not want to experience hard emotions, and so I would just kind of stuff them down, ignore issues, deny things, and just move on and put my happy face on. Mm -hmm. And because that's sometimes, you know, I had this impression, that's what good military wives do. We just move forward and we go and do. And there's a time where you can't stuff it anymore. It starts leaking out of you in frustration or anxiety or depression or anger or, you know, we're all a little different in how those emotions start having really a strong influence in us and we don't realize it sometimes. And so being able to realize that first of all, I need to recognize my emotions. I need to experience them with the Lord. I don't have to hide that from the Lord. If I'm upset about something, now I'm learning to take that to the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm so upset. I'm just going to experience that with you. And would you give me insight into what I'm feeling and show me, here's the really important question. 
what is this really about and what do you say is true? And that changes our perspectives and it opens the door for God to give us wisdom and truth and insight, which gives us the power to make a different choice. Ginger Harrington here on The Intersection. She is also the founder of Planting Roots, Strength to Thrive in Military Life. Her website address is gingerharrington.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's the Executive Director of Advocacy for Children at Focus on the Family, Robin Chambers. Alive 2020 has been announced for May of next year. It's a pro-life series of events in multiple cities on one day, a follow-up to the popular Alive from New York event, which occurred in Times Square earlier this year. From a recent conversation, this is Robin Chambers. When Governor Cuomo signed the bill that allowed abortion through 40 weeks, for any reason, up to birth, any any gestational age, um, our president, Jim Daly, said we have to do something. And as you know, with Option Ultrasound, we've been doing that program for almost 16 years. And we have seen over 440,000 women choose life for their babies. And so Jim immediately said, we have to show them the baby. We have to show mm. the baby. I don't know how many times he said that. And that really started the ball rolling, and we thought, what better place than in the midst of all the busy, just to take a moment to pause and to see that little life, and we did. It was an amazing day, and I don't know, Bob, if you got to see that, but that little guy in the womb was not real cooperative at first, and then all of a sudden, you hear that precious heartbeat, and it was loud, and the crowd was silent as they listened to that, and we have video of of um, just precious, precious children, you know, kind of gasping because they're just awestruck by that. And then men and women um, with tears. And then you saw that little fat, squishy face on the screen. And it is just impossible to deny that that is a life. And so we had quite the day and it was a time to glorify God and celebrate life. And as Jim said, than the baby, and that's what we did. Give us an idea about some of the feedback, some of the responses that you've been hearing over the past few months since Alive from New York took place. It is actually overwhelming. We see hundreds of responses after the announcement of, you know, doing five cities. We're doing five live ultrasounds in each of those cities, and um, people are excited. They said, you know, I saw a kind of a thread and a theme through that of saying, thank you so much for coming to my city and thank you so much for standing for life. And our pregnancy centers are just thrilled that we're coming into their cities because there's an opportunity for Focus on the Family to really shine a light on what those men and women do on the front line every single day. And it's a way for us to applaud what they're doing and to support them, but then let their communities know they are a resource for that community and how they can get involved. Um, We have excitement building. We have a lot of work to do between now and then, but there's lots and lots of excitement. So we are thrilled to be um, going across the country yet again. We are uh, once again partnering with ImageClear Ultrasound uh, for our mobile units, and we will have one of those units in each location, and we'll be doing a live ultrasound in those locations. And there will be some live streaming that goes back and forth with some of our, our music guests and our speakers. 
but we are performing five live ultrasounds and we're working with local pregnancy centers. That to me is what is so exciting. We have folks that are going to be right there from your community joining in um, in Atlanta and providing the nurse and the doctor and the models. And so this is a great way for us to connect with the community there as well. And Robin, as we think about, in fact, you were referring to what Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family, had said following that insidious decision by the New York legislature signed into law by Governor Cuomo there to show people the babies. And I would submit, and I know Focus on the Family has really been on the front lines with Option Ultrasound. This ultrasound technology is something I believe that God has raised up in a powerful way to show the truth to people about the nature of an unborn baby. And so this just continues to to build on that foundation that, that Focus on the Family and like-minded organizations have been laying for so long. Absolutely. You know, when you see those precious little, I think when when I see that little face, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the scan. You see that perfect little nose and then you'll see hands. And often we see them yawning, we see them stretching and you see their little, um, their little hands opening and closing. How can you deny that that is a baby and that child and her mom or his mom are valuable and precious, and they're made in the image of our maker. They're made in the image of our Savior. How can we not support and save that mama and her child? Robin Chambers here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to focusonthefamily.com front slash alive. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can also find the podcast in the Media Center and subscribe via iTunes. Plus, there are links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the CPE International event in Tennessee. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. You can also find interview content through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms. Learn more when you visit faithradio.org or meetinghouseonline.info. Next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Welby O'Brien. She has founded a national support network called Love Our Vets, PTSD Family Support, LLC. In a recent conversation with me, she shared, based on her own experiences, about providing support for veterans and their families. She has authored the book Love Our Vets, Restoring Hope for Families of Veterans with PTSD, as well as Goodbye for Now and Formerly a Wife. Here now is Welby O'Brien. Well, it actually was never on my radar until I fell in love with a veteran. (laughs) And uh, since he and I had both come from broken marriages, when we first got together, he just told me from the get-go, he said, Welby, I've got PTSD and I'm all messed up. And I didn't have a clue what, what he was talking about. And we both wanted to do this right, so I just went full board into learning all I could, and there wasn't much out then at all, and especially not for the loved ones. 
And so I signed up for a class at the VA, and my eyes were opened. In fact, on my way home that night from the first class, I had to pull the car over to the side of the road, and I just wept for the horrors that so many of our veterans have gone through that haunt them day and night. And I had to learn that it isn't me, and I had to learn that I can't fix it. I'm I'm a fixer, and this one was uh, not within my realm. <laughs> and I also have had to learn the importance of taking care of myself as a caregiver and a loved one. So thankfully, um, thank the Lord, we got good counseling together. And individually, I had my own baggage and issues to work on and probably always will. And it's been the best, deepest love either of us has ever had over the years. However, there are challenges. And so the Love Our Vets book and the national support network and the local groups that we've started are all a result of sharing what I'm learning, what I've learned on my journey as a loved one about PTSD, how I can help support him and yet remembering to take care of my needs too. And it's it's a, a combination of things that I've learned and gleaned from others who are down the road ahead of me a ways. Mm. So that's, in a nutshell, what the book and the online national and local support groups are all about. Well, Welby, there certainly is a love story here with respect to, as you mentioned, your falling in love and marrying a veteran. And as I mentioned earlier, you had written a book called Formerly a wife. And so as you began to enter this new season, this new relationship, how did God really make himself known to you as you prepared to to marry someone else and to prepare to to enter into a relationship with someone who had been very transparent about some of the issues that he faced as a veteran? Well, the prob- probably the key point was we both wanted to be sure that the Lord was central and foundational in the relationship. First, in our individual lives. I mean, what a difference it makes if we can go through life together with someone who shares our love for the Lord, who we can go together in prayer, we can read Scripture together, and we're on on the same journey in spite of all the ups and downs. Everybody has challenges. Every relationship has bumps along the way. But I think the foundational thing would be um, focusing on the Lord. And then, like you just mentioned, being transparent with our our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities and um, being willing to learn and grow and accept each other. And personally, I had to learn over the years to be drawn to a person's heart rather than their status or their appearance. And I had made some bad choices in the past, and so years of counseling helped me work through that, and I think uh, God really helped me see what uh, a, a really wonderful person with a great heart that he is, and he will give us the grace we need from day to day to get through the bumps along the way. Welby O'Brien here on The Intersection. Learn more through the website Welby, that's W-E-L-B-Y, followed by the letter O.com. 
Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's attorney and college professor Sharon Casalonis, author of Jesus Day by Day, a one-year through the Bible devotional to help you see him on every page. In our conversation, she shared about different elements of the book, including the importance of seeing Jesus through the pages of the Old and New Testaments. Here now from that conversation is Sharon Casalonis. Well, I think that as I, I began to just dive into God's Word, it was still, um, there's still portions of it that were, uh, like all of us, just fuzzy or uh, not as intriguing or captivating as others. And so um, I had I had gone to um, Bible college, and I did some Moody Bible Institute correspondence courses and all of that, but nevertheless, I would, for morning devotions or whatever, uh, I think a lot of us fall into this. We would just, we say, oh, I don't know where to read today, so we just stop, open up. It usually lands somewhere in Psalms or Proverbs or our favorite, you know, chapters. I don't know what to read this morning. Oh, this will be good. And we just end up on default reading the same things over and over again. Well, my husband and I got married in 2001, and my mother-in-law said to me, hey, I have been reading through this chronological Bible. Now, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with the one-year Bible. So the chronological Bible is that one-year Bible, but it puts the events in the order that they occur. So when you're reading through, you start in Genesis, and you read through, you'll stop right around the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and go into Job, because that's about where Job started. And then you get to the prophets, and you're reading, um, you know, the kings along with the prophet that was in the land at that time. So it puts everything in order. And all of a sudden, I was like, this is amazing. It all started to fall into place because there was a point of reference as to a timeline, as to what was happening when. But not only that, it told me what to read that day. So where one morning I probably wouldn't have defaulted to Hosea or, or you know, certain portions and Micah or Jeremiah, I just would pick up with that day's reading. And life gets busy, and even when you skip days or a week or whatever, I'd always just be able to pick back up on the day, and over the course of 18 years, I have just read through the Bible in chronological order from cover to cover, and the difference that it has made in my understanding of God's character and His plan and how He has just orchestrated it all to point to Christ, that has been a life changer for me. So I wanted to put that in other people's hands. It's so telling, it's so encouraging when you think about the Old Testament and the New Testament, part of God's story, and it all points to Jesus. Elaborate on that, if you will. Yes, well, we know that God's Word has got so many levels to it. There's always a, a application for today. There might be a prophecy that was fulfilled in Israel, but a future prophecy. There's so many levels. But the one that I chose to focus on for this particular devotion was truly seeing the types and the pictures, the prophecies of Jesus from the Old Testament and how they were fulfilled in the New Testament. Because just like in our own lives, Bob, when when Jesus comes in, He breathes life. He brings everything to life, and He does the exact same thing with His Word. So when we're reading in 
uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I love the book of Leviticus because of all the types and pictures and shadows, how it's pointing to God's future Redeemer. All of a sudden, what we may have deemed boring in the past comes to life because we see how faithful God is to His Word and His promises, and that even the boring passages have meaning. And it's the same thing in our life. Even the mundane areas, when Jesus comes in, it comes to life. Sharon Casalone is here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website cover, the number two, cover.today. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection, it's Aaron Zook, a military veteran who has served in leadership and officers Christian Fellowship at the Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He shared about his Thunder and Lightning Young Adult Fiction Series, which incorporates his military background into multinational adventures. The latest book in the series is called The Isle of Intrigue. Here now is Aaron Zook. These are places where the... the, uh... The action takes place that people can look up. As a matter of fact, in book number one, The Secrets of the Castle, one of the main parts of the story takes place around Neuschwanstein Castle, which happens to be one of the inspiration castles for the one that you see on TV that Disney uses. Uh, oh, my goodness. Wow. So I try to make them uh, interesting and exciting uh, at the same time. Uh, the reason I take them to different locations around the world is because the lead character, uh, Gabe, and his brother, Alex, uh, are both uh, children of a military intelligence officer in the Army, and the mother's a homeschooling mom. And so the reason the boys move around a lot is because of their dad's military career. Yeah. So you weave in that military experience. You've been involved, as I mentioned, 32-year-old, a 32-year, I should say, military career. You've served in leadership of Officers Christian Fellowship, which a number of people may be familiar with around our area. And how is it that you made the transition from being in the army and and serving in the military to actually being a, a fiction writer well it's very interesting because when we were in germany and the boys were uh at the ages where we would take them to swim meets around the country uh when i was stationed in germany i would tell them thunder and lightning stories as we went driving around in our van and uh the boys uh, loved the stories because they were more like comic action books and uh, the boys could help create some of the story narrative. So they would change the car, they would change the type of action that happened in the car and what happened with the dogs. As I got ready to retire from the military, I, I went through a transition process that the Army has where you go to different counseling centers. And one of the counselors I met happened to be a retired Presbyterian preacher. And uh, I met with him privately for a couple of hours one Saturday and he said, Aaron, you've been doing work in the military sort of at the lockstep rate. In other words, you have all the regulations you have to obey and things that you have to follow. He said, but if you become a writer, you're going to be a creative person. And I said, yes, I've been kind of keeping that under control as I go through my military career. And he said, okay, well, now it's time to let that loose. So when he said that, I immediately, I was shocked really because uh, I'd never thought about making that something that uh, I was gonna do full time. And finally, the uh, the real kicker was my younger son told me, he says, Dad, when are you going to write those Thunder and Lightning stories down? <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> that's God a little had, bit of pressure. <laughs> God had placed them in your heart. That's exactly right. Aaron Zook joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio of the Thunder and Lightning series. This is CPE International Christian Product Expo in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 
Well, Aaron, let's talk about the the plot elements here as we begin the Thunder and Lightning series. Book number one is entitled The Secrets of the Castle, taking Correct. place at a real-life place. Gabe and, and Alex are Alex. the two young men. Their father is a military intelligence officer. Their mom is a homeschooler. So set up the plot here of the first book so in the series. Here in the first book, the boys are uh, actually on their way down to Neuschwanstein Castle, which is a vacation location in Germany. And uh, on the way on, the, on that trip, the boys and their parents experience an auto accident on the Autobahn. Uh, somebody actually have sabotaged their tires and they walk away from that uh, accident, uh, get the car fixed, and then they get back on the road. When they're on the road, uh, they get chased by motorcycles doing some pretty crazy motorcycle stunts. Uh, they get down to the castle, there are some threats, and finally they get kidnapped, all because of some secrets that dad knows and other people want to get to. So uh, did they get away? Well, there is a book number two. There, there you go. And, and so this original book, The Secrets of the Castle, this was written for a, a middle school age audience. That's absolutely correct. Yes. I wrote it uh, so that people that read at the fourth grade level and above can read the book. And uh, I did it that way on purpose because oftentimes when people are reading books, they want to read a little bit uh, ahead of their uh, age yeah. range. And at the same time, the content in it, I think, is really a lot of fun. You learn all about the characters and the dogs, and they have a lot of antics that they play around with, too, as well as the storyline. Aaron Zook here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website zookbooks.org. Zook is spelled Z-O-O-K. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. The podcast can be found in the Media Center. You can also subscribe to it via iTunes. Two blogs are accessible from the homepage. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, plus there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms, including Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.